This is Joe Basso from Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I'm speaking with Gary Lightbody from Snow Patrol, who is backstage at the K-Rock Acoustic Christmas. Gary, how you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. So this is the Excellent. this is the last night of your brief American tour right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've obviously we've done we've done like a very short sort of eight shows. This is the eighth show. It's uh, the K Rock every Christmas K Rock radio down here in LA. It's uh, been on a show um, over two nights. Last night was kind of a more kind of rock and metal. Tonight is more kind of I don't know alternative. I suppose is the American term. So, Gary, you've been on tour, so maybe you don't know. There's this brand new song out. It's sweeping the charts. It's called Run. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Leona Lewis has covered our song, and uh, <laughs> it's currently it's spending its second week. We just found out today, second week at number one in the UK. What we couldn't do, she's done with Relish. <laughs> so that's our very first number one hit, but unfortunately we weren't actually uh, behind the controls of it. <laughs> But, but uh, as, yeah, it's, it's, it's very bizarre, very bizarre. As a songwriter, what does this feel like for you? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I guess I'm, I'm flattered, you know, that um, the song, you know, is able to have a whole, take on a whole new life and uh, take a whole new kind of, to, to a whole new audience, you know, I guess. Um, I wasn't sure that there was anybody left that hadn't heard the song in, in the UK, to be honest, but uh, there are probably... Um, plenty of people that just think it's her song, you know, and that's that's what that's what music that's what happens to music when it sure. goes out into the into the ether. You, you know, you lose control of it. But part of that is, you know, you bring it upon yourself. Be careful what you wish for, is the old time, you know. So uh, if you want to have successful songs, it's, uh, you just have to share them with the world, and that's that's what we've always been about. Whenever somebody covers somebody else's song, the song changes in some way. What are your thoughts on her version? Um, well, it's vastly different from ours. It's uh, you know she's stripped everything away but the but the melody and the vocal, you know, and the, the lyrics, you know. So it's um, it's the only way to cover a song, really. You don't do it. You don't cover a song as a complete, you know, mirror to the original because it, um, you know, it's, there's no point. There's no value in it at all, you know. So at least it's um, at least it's it's changed dramatically, you know. And it's uh, you know I'm still sort of it's still too bizarre for me to. To really even talk about, you know, I don't, um, I don't really understand what's going on. <laughs> Do you think it might get to the point where it doesn't feel like your song anymore? Well, that's what I was, uh, you know, sort of, I, I admitted there a second ago. I mean, it's, it's not, not our song once we release it anymore, anyway. You know, not really. You know, so it's, uh, you know, it belongs to whoever loves it. Recently, I read that Nirvana was the band that pretty much got you to pick up a guitar and join a band. Is that right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was uh, Nirvana, and then Nirvana to pick up a guitar, and then um, Sebado to make me stop singing with an affected voice. Uh, <laughs> I started singing in my own voice, really, once I heard Lou Barlow singing, and uh, then the Super Fur Animals kind of inspired us to be, you know, try and be as wildly kind of different from one song to the next. You know, I think if you listen to our first two records, it sounds like each song sounds like it's made by a different band. You know, so it's a uh, I guess we only find our own true kind of voice from our third record onwards, you know, but uh, those first two records, there's still plenty of crazy stuff in there that's fun. Getting back to Nirvana, what was it about them or about the Nevermind album that really lit a spark under you? Well, it just it just kaboomed, um, you know, conventional, well, not even conventional rock, because they were kind of came from that tradition themselves, but the rock that was kind of 
prevalent at the time, the kind of hair metal and, the, you know, rock had gone sort of disappeared up its arse again, you know, and, the, and Nirvana kind of just basically made that style of rock music with the, you know, the, the ridiculous kind of lead soloing and posturing and the leather pants and the big hair and all that sort of nonsense. It just made it a sort of obsolete, sort of pretty much straight away. And it also was very simple and passionate from the heart and visceral and uh, energetic and it was rock music boiled down to its barest parts and uh, that's what I fell in love with straight away and it's what we try and we, we've always sort of aspired to try and make music that is from the heart not the head and with no posturing whatsoever. They were certainly known for being a ferocious rock band but at the same time Kurt Cobain had a way with pop songs. I feel that you guys are pretty much the same way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I love pop music. I mean, as purest, purest form, pop music is, is a joyous, life-affirming thing that uh, will, you know, can, can change your mood from, from sad to happy in the blink of an eye, you know, if it's done right. There's a tremendous amount of shit pop songs out there, but there's, um, when you find the good ones, it's like finding gold, you know? So um, it's, uh, it's, not a, it's not a dirty word as far as I'm concerned. Pop is a, is a joyous thing done right. Recently, you also said that Super Furry Animals were the best British pop band since the Beatles. Yes, I stand by that. I'll stand by that for, uh, for until the next best British pop band comes along. <laughs> and probably Elbow, to be honest, is the next in line for that, that crown. But uh, Super Furry Animals just came along at a time for me when I, I, I'd, I'd immersed myself so much in American culture, I'd almost lost sight of the fact that I was Irish, British, call Northern Irish people what you want. But uh, I mean... I'd kind of lost my identity in, 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 in America somewhere, um, which is always why, was why we've always wanted to come to America, because much of our mu- early music was inspired by, and still, we're still inspired heavily by a lot of American bands. The Super Fry Animals came around at a time when Britpop was, was sweeping everywhere, you know, and, and the only Britpop band that we ever sort of thought had, had tremendous value was Oasis, and, uh, you know, everything else we didn't really feel that connected with. So, and that's why we sort of looked to America to, to inspire us. But when the Super Furries kind of, they were kind of trundling, going along in the kind of background. They had like 30, top 30 singles in their, in their career. They're still going, but they weren't as big a band as they should have been in my eyes, you know. But um, to me, they were they were the band that kind of drew me back into the British music scene and, and made me sort of search out the kind of gems like them, you know. And, you know, like... Elbow and like Mogwai and like Carbstrap and you know all these bands that sort of when we moved to Glasgow it sort of became pretty obvious what, that there was quite a flourishing UK music scene aside from mm-hmm. Britpop you know. Tell me about the new album A Hundred Million Sons. I understand you wrote quite a few songs for this album. Yeah no I was and there was a two, about 220 songs in my garage band by the end of the Eyes Open tour when we got to the end of that tour, we started to kind of coll- um, collate everything, and and, and 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 we narrowed it down to about thirty songs, and then we recorded about twenty. You know, so it's uh, it's it's a long, long sort of process in terms of songwriting. You know, it doesn't just. I mean, I write a lot, but a lot of it they're they're only stepping stones to something else. You know, like I'll maybe write five songs on the path to writing something that was really good. So maybe one in five is ends up on a Snow Patrol album, or, or maybe one in ten. I don't know. Maybe that's probably more likely. It just comes very naturally to me to write the actual editing process of the songs, the lyric writing, the the finalizing, the minutia of the songs are a lot more complicated. But the the, the melody itself is I never found too difficult. And I don't mean to be um, that's not a boast. It's just that's that's what that's the talent that I have been given. Um, I'm very 
I feel blessed with that, you know. But I, I uh, um, it's all the other stuff that's the hardest. So you're a big, you're a big fan of Garage Band. I'm a big fan of Garage Band. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, um, I'm on my uh, Garage Band every day, just um, making, trying to just making noise, really. Um, be it on the tour bus or in the hotel or at my house, you know, and just try and do as much recording as I possibly can, and uh, you know, out of that, you know, find a little sort of gold nuggets in the in the river of crap most of the time. Do you use the built-in instruments and loops, or do you use it just kind of like? No, no, a... no. I just use it as a recording tool, and I use my voice to make to to or a keyboard. I'm not very accomplished pianist, but I, I can I can sort of plank my way through various things, and I'll. Uh, use either keyboard or my voice to make you know simulate the other instruments that i imagine on the songs and then you know garrett gets involved and he takes it to another level and everybody else gets involved and they take it further still you know so it's um it's an ongoing process right to the very last mix you know so everybody in the band has garage band on their laptops and stuff yeah, we all, well, Nathan uses uh, GarageBand, and, and, but Pablo uses Logic. He's a lot more advanced than we are in terms of technology. Um, Tom is an amazing DJ, amazing sort of electronic mind, you know, so he's a keyboard player in band. He will make like, loops and do sort of um, lots of kind of electro, electro-y kind of stuff that we'll use in the background of songs. And um, I mean, there's, you know, there's all kinds of things that kind of go on. Everybody has their own sort of niche, I guess. In the band. How about your producer uh, Jackknife Lee? Does he use garage? Well, bands? he is all, he is he is a master of all niches. He's the you know he is the, the, the conductor of the whole crazy orchestra. He's, he's an incredible man. Knows every instrument. Knows every nuance. You know, can look at the album as a whole. You know, has an able to look at have an overview. Look at everything objectively. We find it difficult once we get going to. To be anything other than subjective, to be honest, um, Garrett has always been able to take a step back from the record, and somebody with, with fresh ears, you know, we need we need that, you know. Also, a lot of fun to be with in the studio as well. He's a very funny man. Now, you've made a few albums with him. What exactly do you find productive about working with him on a record? Well, just everything. I mean, just he is. He, he's, you know, one of. My best friends now. I would think I love him dearly, and um, we all do. And I, um, I can't, I can't imagine making a record with anybody else. He just, he lets us. You know, he has. We have free reign to do whatever we want. We give him free reign to do whatever he wants, and we, you know, meet somewhere either in the middle or in the extremities. It's, uh, you know, it's either a, um, a long drawn out process of sort of orbiting a song, or we, you know, we we we, we get it right, you know, bang on the the nail on the head. You know, straight away together. You know, it's whatever way we approach it, whatever way we get to it, it'll always be a sort of a different, a different journey every time we make a make a song or make an album. And, and you know, in a entirety, it's a lot of fun. You're playing a lot more guitar on this album than you have on previous ones. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Normally, I would lay down the first, you know, the the main, my main guitar that I would play live, and then and then I would concentrate on the lyrics and the vocals. But this time round, I'm pl- you know I'm playing all over the record. Nathan does. Most of the intricate, most of the stuff that you would go, wow, that's an amazing guitar hook. That'll be Nathan. And just basically filling in, not filling in gaps for the sake of it, but hopefully just painting little bits into the corners of songs that um, that, that take the ear and the mind away into different places. It's, uh, you know, so maybe five or six guitar parts per hour, per per song. And you know, there's a lot of guitars in this record. So but we are a guitar band. It's 
but why in particular did you find that you needed to put more guitar down on this one? Well, no, it's, it's really because the last few records I've been spending so much time trying to finish the lyrics, and I think this time around the lyrics were kind of done, were done pretty early on. I'm all struggling with some songs, but most of them were done. Most of them I was, I was happy with. I was tinkering a little bit here and there, but I, uh, I just had much more time and I wanted to get involved a lot more. I, I mean, I'm involved in every part of the record, but I wanted to actually play. And uh, it helped my guitar playing no end to get much more practice while actually doing. Rather than just practicing in your room, it's much, you learn a lot more actually doing it, actually recording it and listening to it back and going, yeah, actually that sucks or that's brilliant. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get that, let's take that further, you know. It feels like more of a uplifting album than your recent ones. There's more of a joyous tone. Is, is there any reason for that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I wanted to concentrate more on the, 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 the bits the times, the relationships that I've had have gone, have gone right. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be forever known as the guy that you know was was breaking up with everybody, because <laughs> it's not the case. You know, it's you know the things I've concentrated on in the past have been the maybe the assessment, or the reassessment of of the calamities that I've caused, and this time round I've it's it's been, you know, I I, I just want to show that you know there were times before those calamities that it was going right. <laughs> Um, but still, seems it, I can't seem to get away from some calamities, you know, entirely. You know, things like the disaster button and then please just take these photos from my hand. You know, uh, you know they hark back to themes on previous records. But there's also brand new themes like you know, like like to take back the city. You know, um, Belfast, Northern Ireland. I've never written about that before, and mm-hmm. um, I um, I kind of I, that was a song I rewrote and rewrote and rewrote because I knew how sensitive the subject was. So. I'm struck by a comment you made about the the second song on the record, "Crack the Shutters." You called it the purest love song you've ever written. Yeah, in that there's no dark edges to it. You know, I think even the song like uh, "Chasing Cars," there's a disconnect between the real world and uh, and the, you know the world imagined that these two people are incorporating. With "Crack the Shutters," you're, you know you're actually opening the window to the world whilst celebrating the person that you're seeing this vista with. You know you're. You're luxuriating in her, or I am, and, and, and also, you know, the world outside. So it's much more connected to the world. It's much more, it's just much more joyous. And, I, you know, when I was talking about pop music early on, being life-affirming and being sort of, you know, glorious, and, and that's, I see that uh, Crack the Shutters as, um, as something that captures that, you know, those images. Well, it's a wonderful record. I really think it's fantastic. Well, thank you very much. This is Joe Basso for Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I've been speaking with Gary Lightbody from Snow Patrol. Gary, thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. All take right, you, you take care. All right, cheers, man. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye.